This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back to another episode of Get Psyched. This is actually a little bit different of an episode than we're used to getting on this channel. So stick with me, bear with me, it's a little different. The reason being my girlfriend, great, great girlfriend, Ariel Bloom, who runs Navigating Nutrition, invited me on her show after I had sat down and done a group with the girls that were going through her program at the time. We talked about one of my favorite things to talk about, sex. And because of that talk, Ariel thought it would be really awesome for us to sit down on the mics and have more of a longer format conversation about it. Now, I've been getting some feedback from listeners that they would like to have more of my stance or hear more of my take on things. And so I thought today we'd try a little experiment. We'd put out a show where I'm getting interviewed and Ariel being the beautiful ray of sunshine that she is adding in her two cents and we just have the greatest conversation ever. So again, it's a little bit different. I'm doing less of the hosting and more of the interviewee seat. We decided to co-release this episode and you can find Find all of her other episodes on the Navigating Nutrition channel. Don't worry, I will go ahead and link all of that in the show notes so that you can get your hands on other episodes that Ariel is producing because they are amazing. And as we're sitting here talking about other amazing shows, part of the Soulfire family, Mile High Mess, is also releasing some absolute fire. These two girls are quirky and funny and bring their own spin on life and all of its topics and all of its crazy happenings into this show. So if you're looking for a new show that is equal parts entertainment, mindfulness, humor, and comedy, make sure to head on over to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and give the Mile High Mess Girls a subscription. They will keep you laughing and keep you thinking about all of life's happenings. So I'm super excited for you guys to hear this show. If you haven't already, please head over to Apple and give the show a five-star rating and review. It allows me to continue to do this, continue to get great guests on the show, and continue to develop and and deliver conversations like this one. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Linz, I want to pass it off to you to give a brief intro about who you are and why we are talking about sex today. Wow. Um, I'll try to give you a, an elevator pitch on it, but, um, long story short, I am finishing my master's in counseling psychology right now. So I am an MFT marriage family therapist trainee. And after the 14th, I don't know when this show comes out. So maybe by the time this episode comes out, I will be an associate, but right now it still says trainee at the end of my name. Um, I have been working the last three years towards a holistic degree in counseling psych and there's a lot of things that interest me just in the world of psychology. I mean, how could it not? But especially with how long you and I being fitness coaches for as long as we were, it's so clear how much the body affects everything that we do. And it got increasingly more clear that like sex was such this beautiful, beautiful, 
beautiful vehicle, those are both of those words together, um, to explore that. Should you feel safe and confident in your body and confident in your partner or partners or, you know, any of those things. So it was definitely an area of interest for me and something that as I continue to pursue licensure, like may go down the road of like Lindsay Locke, sex therapist, haven't quite gotten there yet, but I just know that it's Every client I have, no matter what they're walking into my room for, for counseling, it comes down to sex, always, 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 always. And so I think that for anyone and everyone to have a base knowledge of of those things is so important. Yeah. And the reason that we came across the subject together is because in my group coaching program, Navigating Nutrition, this is something that comes up for women specifically a lot. It comes up for men as well, 100%. But women specifically, we lose our sense of self and we lose that sexuality and we lose that like touch with ourselves. So I think it's been, it was amazing to hear you come talk to my ladies about it because it's something that everyone wants to talk about and everybody has questions about and nobody is willing or is comfortable asking those questions. Yes, it's so funny because I've become the friend that everyone knows it's okay to ask those questions with. And so like, no matter what, like wine night with the girls always turns into like, let's talk about sex night. And so we do. And and it's so true. Like, especially you touch on women having a difficult time talking about it. There's like the societal construct of, men can masturbate and men can talk about sex and men can watch porn and like women do all of those things they just aren't vocal about it and so it's nice to bring these shadowy topics out into just normal everyday conversation like I feel bad for any waitress that ever walks past my table because I guarantee you the things that I am talking about at any given setting probably make them a little bit uncomfortable in the moment but my hope is that they'll go home and be like wow people talk about this too or like what I my fantasy isn't that weird if table four was talking about it today yeah and I think something that is really important to remember is that sexuality looks and feels different for everybody and some things that you may consider um sensual really are not sexual by nature Mm. so it's Mm -hmm. like there's this way to be sensual with yourself without feeling like it's dirty or it's wrong. And you also don't have to feel that way no matter what you're into, right? Like it's it's not like there's a right or wrong way to do sex, to do sensuality, to do any of these things. Right. And I think what happens for a lot of us is sex ed in schools is just pathetic, period. Like that's, I will leave it at that. It's just abstinence base. Don't do it. You'll get pregnant and die and get all these horrible STDs. That's it. You will get chlamydia and you will die. Exactly. Like the the mean girl scene, that is sex ed. In, at least that was my experience. That's like the my, quintessential sex ed for sure. Yes. My sex ed, I remember they came in. It was my freshman year. All the boys and girls were together, which is you're what, 14 and you are like just figure like all you're thinking about is sex and you don't know why that's all you're thinking about. And then all of a sudden, and I went to school up in the middle of nowhere, right? Some old crusty man comes into our classroom with like this 1970s projector screen 
And just so slide after slide after slide of the most gnarly STDs I've ever seen, right? And so it was like, this is what happens if you have sex. And it's like, all of the study, all the research shows that like, that doesn't stop people from having sex. And in fact, you're creating a culture where people cannot get curious about it. People don't feel right asking questions about it. People feel shame. And so you're actually leaving this population who needs sexual education the most completely in the dark. And so where most people end up getting sex ed is from porn. And which is like the other end of the spectrum, the other end, there is there is like ethical porn or more like uh, conscious porn, right? And there's actually it's pretty cool because most for, you know, almost all of history, porn directors have been men. And hence the reason why, like, sex and like when porn is over, when sex is over is like, when you get the money shot, when the guy orgasms, when all these things happen. And there's, it's like, okay, well, like women do that too. Like women orgasm too. Or um, if you follow sex with Emily, she's like one of the greatest sex accounts ever. And she, she posted a meme the other day that she's like, I find myself screaming at porn all the time. Like you're not even close to her clitoris. (laughs) And, and it's so true. And so like I said, there is more conscious porn and there, it, like things are getting better. There are more women directors that are making it not even women centric, but just like the dance that sex actually is. Um, and so I think that, you know, people who don't have these types of conversations or are young people in the world or anyone that hasn't had time to really explore and dive into and get curious about sex is like, oh, it's supposed to look like porn. Like he's supposed to be my pizza delivery guy and like deliver me this huge rock hard cock, right? And like, this isn't how it happens. No, like sex is clunky and sex is awkward and there it can be, there can get to a point, right? Where it's this beautiful, sensual, sexual dance. But until then, like you have to learn one another's bodies and there's like weird noises that come up or like dicks aren't always hard and like pussies aren't always wet. So like sometimes you need lubes or other things and people think that they're broken when that happens. And it's like, That's what happens so much in my office is people are like, hey, I have this like sexual dysfunction. And it's like, well, let's talk about what went up to like leading to sex or what's going on in your head. Can we drop out of our head and into our bodies? Because we get all of the narratives going on in our brain. Like she's supposed to want to jump my bones the minute I come home from work. And like sex is this miraculous, beautiful thing. And we're both in the mood and it just happens spontaneously. And anybody with an adult life and an adult schedule knows that like, sure, that happens sometimes, but 90% of the time it doesn't work like that. And so, you know, there's sometimes people have these different sexual dysfunctions. And when we boil it down, it's like, oh yeah, I had this narrative that it was supposed to look this way and it wasn't looking like that. So my body shut down. I wasn't like, if I don't feel safe enough to show up, if I feel like I have to perform, then yeah, our body, our brain is now working against our body. Right. And this is something that I feel like needs to be, this is why I think this is so important because you guys, like this does not just show up for sex for you. This shows up everywhere in your life where your expectation is different than your reality. And when your expectation is so different from your reality that you can't 
perform in that situation. This happens everywhere in your life. I promise if you like look at it that way, especially since you're saying like everyone that comes down and comes into your office, it essentially boils down to, okay, what story are you telling yourself about this situation? And that is so powerful. There's so much to it. And I think the biggest thing that comes out with sex, we we do get into the narrative a lot, especially because I'm such a somatic-based therapist. Like I love asking people where they feel something in their body. Can we explore that? When was the first time you felt this come up, right? Things like that. I won't get too far down that that rabbit hole, but um, sex always, always, always comes up, whether it's individual or couples counseling or polyamory counseling, right? It's always comes down to sex. And and the question I get most often is, am I normal? Or someone comes, like they drop their kid off, right? They're 16 year old boy. And they're like, he's masturbating all the time. Like that can't be normal. It's like, actually, that's the only thing he can think about right now. So it's completely normal developmentally. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's getting harder and harder because I, f- I don't know, maybe I'm just a supreme optimist. I feel like our generation is talking about these things more and has a willingness to be open and conscious about a lot of things. But I know my sex talk with my parents was like, for- I didn't have it with my dad. Like he just wasn't going to go there. And my mom, it was like the day I got my period, I was in hysterics. I was like crying because your period is like the most traumatic thing to ever happen to you as a young girl. And and then you're like, and you're telling me this happens every month? From now on? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like this happens one time and it's a rite of passage. It's like, oh, no, no, homegirl. You get to deal with this every 28 days. Um, And like that. So I'm already so traumatized, right? And, um, and side note, which is also really funny. I had two broken thumbs the day I started my period. So imagine I like couldn't even pull up my own pants by myself unless they were sweats and it was back in the day before yoga pants were considered pants so I was just like wearing oversized like Walmart brand boys sweats because they're the only thing I could get on with my two casts on my thumbs and then I get my period I'm just like in the worst way and my mom sits me down and goes so you know you can get pregnant now right and like that was my sex talk and I was like mom like I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the next five days with two broken thumbs. Yeah. And you're telling me not to have sex because I can have babies. And like, that was it. And, you know, I get it. Like that can be a hard conversation for parents to have, but the kids are so hungry for the information and, and it's this fine balance, right? Like I get this really cool niche with my teenage clients because I'm like just old enough to be respected but young enough to be like the cool young therapist so when I sit down with my clients I'm like tell me about this boyfriend or like you know tell me about this and we can slowly enter the conversation of like you know have you explored sex have you explored your body have you done all these different things and it's a little bit awkward at first but then they're like so psyched to talk about it right And to start having these more open conversations with kids and adolescents, it's like, they're so much smarter than we give them credit for. They're so much smarter than we think. And like, I have just as much to learn from my kid clients as they do from me. And if we can start having these open and honest conversations, like 
in my opinion, those are the things that are going to lead to a decreased teen pregnancy rate, like because they're not thinking I can use saran wrap if the condom isn't around. Like they don't have, like they're teenagers. They, they think that way, you know, like the questions that I have gotten, it's like, oh my God, you believe that. Like you believe that you would not get pregnant from that, you know, or all of like different positions don't get you pregnant. It's like, no, that's, that's fake. That is fake news. That is legitimately fake news. Don't do that. Um, And so, yeah, just be able to like starting to create these conversations. And I do, maybe it's because I'm surrounded by people like yourself and other therapists and people my age that are like very curiosity driven and conversation driven and open to having the quote unquote hard conversations. But my dream is that like sex will not be a hard conversation or an uncomfortable conversation because we all do it. We're all here because someone else did it. You know, like that's like that's such a great way to think about it. Like literally everyone on this earth is here because somebody did it with someone. Yeah, probably multiple times. And like you got lucky or like maybe it was once and then you still got really lucky, you know, and. And so for us to think that it's like this taboo thing that lives in the shadows, it's like if you create a world in which it is like that, then yes, that will be your reality. It'll be a taboo thing that you do in the shadows. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to go run and become a sex worker and be flaunting their sexuality in the streets. But if that's what makes you feel good and that's what makes you feel sexy and hot and not even desired by the other, the opposite sex or same sex, if that's what you're into, but sexy and desired and sensual to yourself and like in your own power and in your own body, like, there's nothing better than when I'm walking downtown and I catch like a reflection of myself in a store window and I'm like, yeah, bitch work. Like, yeah, you look good. And I think that's where this conversation comes to, right? It's like, it's not about you being sexual or like desirable to the opposite, to the person that you want to be sexual and desirable to. It's, it's bringing it home because if you're constantly trying to look for that external validation, that's, where we get so stuck because we're never going to get there. We're never going to be happy with that. But if we can be that for ourselves, that's where this conversation starts. And I love that that's what you talk about so much because it's not about how to be desirable to someone else. It's how are you like, how are you doing that for yourself? And Mm -hmm. that's how that can transfer into your relationships with other people. Yeah. It, you know, I kind of think of it as like, When you see that someone is just like feeling themselves, not literally, but like just out and about, like they've got a good outfit, they like, they're, they're confident, they're running the room, like whatever it is. And this person, or maybe they're not running a room, maybe they just have like a very incredible presence. And maybe they're kind of like a wallflower, but there's like something sexy and mysterious about that person. Like that person has quote unquote it in my eyes, like that person did not show up for you or I, or to find out who else would be in the room. That person showed up because they're like, hell yeah. Like I put my J's on today. I feel fucking hot. And can I cuss on this? I'm sorry. Okay, cool. I feel fucking hot. Do you know me? (laughs) I do, but people ask me all the time on my show and that's pretty much my answer too. But I'm like, eh, I should ask. Um, You know, I feel hot. I feel good. And people are just attracted to these humans. And it doesn't like, I've been attracted to humans that are not my like typical type 
right? If we want to talk about types. And it's like, well, what about it was so attractive? It was like, they were so confident in their being and like said the joke at the right time. And like, it kind of flopped, but like they owned it and it was super hot, you know, or whatever. When you start showing up for yourself in situations, like, like attracts like, you know, birds of a feather. And so all of a sudden you are surrounded by other people that are like, in my eyes, like if you show up to sex knowing what makes you feel sexy and hot and confident, then like, okay, we're already out of the brain and we're in the body because the body, you sit up a little straighter. You like strut your stuff. You swing your hips a little more. You know, your body starts moving in a way that yes, we were put on this planet to like have sex, eat, sleep, die, period. If we want to like really break it down. And so when we're feeling really good, our bodies move in a way that create that reality for us to like sleep well, eat good food, have sex and eventually pass on, right? And so when you are interacting in that way, you're going to attract other people that are interacting in that way too. And you can start having more connected sex, more conversations around sex because it's not fair. I know I'm getting a little tangential here. Um, but one of the big things I talk about with my clients is like, it's not fair for you to show up to a sexual encounter and expect your partner to know how to pleasure your body. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where so many people get caught up. Um, especially women is asking for what they want in bed because it's never been like, okay, or talked about. And there's tons of women that I talk to in my practice and I'm like, what, what? gets you going like what feels good what do you enjoy and they can't even give me an answer because that question has never even been on the table like sex has always been male driven and it sounds kind of harsh but you know they're like I can't orgasm I'm like it's not your partner's job to figure out how to do that for you like you need to own your orgasm and because he 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 or she is not gonna know they're not gonna show there's so many millions of different bodies out in this world and different things that those bodies like, there's no way that in your first sexual encounter or second or third or 20th that like they're just going to show up and know how to work your body. Yeah. And we only get to a place where we can express those needs and express those desires if we have started to like come home and come to self and start to explore self and be confident in expressing those needs to other people. Mm. That's huge because I feel like so many things and I, I like keep bringing this out of just sex into your entire life because I think mm -hmm. that this is another common theme for a lot of people. We have a really hard time asking <clears throat> for help and asking not even just for help, but like asking for what we need and what we want. And it can be, like you said, so empowering to just you to figure it out, right? To figure out what makes you feel good. And then telling your partner, whoever that is, what that is for you. Mm -hmm. And your partner gets psyched too. Your partner's like, sick, I have the roadmap. You know, like they are, they're so stoked. And what I have found is like the most often, and this is different for most partners, but the partners I have been with is like, when I tell them what I want, it's super hot. And then two, they're like, and I'm going to do it the best you've ever experienced, right? Like it's like this new challenge of like, oh, that's what you're into? 
cool. Like I'm heading into the gauntlet and I'm figuring it out. I'm going to do it the best. Gonna do this. Yeah. It's not like this weird, like, um, excuse me, uh, sir or ma'am. Um, can you please, uh, do this thing? It's like stepping into that power being like, Hey, like, and it doesn't have to be like a, a dummy thing at all. Like do this, you know, but it's just like, this is what I'm into. Can we try this? And people most often are super receptive to it. Yeah. Um, I love that. So I think we've kind of, we've talked about like all of these different ways of just like being in your body, but we haven't really talked about like how to get there. Mm. So what can you, if you can give like any sort of advice on like how to really come back and take yourself out of your head, like you said, and bring yourself into your body? Mm -hmm. I think what helped me, and this could be different for everybody, but what has helped me and what has helped a lot of my clients is giving yourself the permission to be as curious as you want to be. Like you can, there are so many, like if you feel comfortable or if you feel uncomfortable, then like clear your browsing history afterwards, right? But like get, give yourself the permission to get as curious as you want and Google the things you want to Google and read the books you want to read. Like I remember the most exhilarating moment of my life. I was reading... Oh man, this is, that was actually a huge hyperbole, not the most exhilarating moment of my life, but a very, it was up there. Um, I was reading, I think the ethical slut or mating in captivity, one of those books that just like has a title that I think it was the ethical slut. And I was sitting in Verve coffee in Santa Cruz when you could still do that. And I'm sitting in the corner, like reading this book and just like catching people's eyes. Like, why is this girl reading a book in a coffee shop like that was a weird thing to do like that's actually what these things were meant to do at one point like drink coffee and you know not just sit on your phone but and then to have people read the title and get like that much more intrigued by it and uh and it was so just kind of like yeah fuck yeah I'm reading about sex like and it was this something that like before because I remember reading 50 shades of gray when it first came out on a plane coming home from a trip and I hid it in a magazine so that I could read 50 shades of gray, which is by no means like <laughs> a good representation of like the BDSM world or any of that. But what I loved that that book did was open the door to have conversations or allowed and granted permission for people to get curious about this world. And if I can get curious about that world, if I'm like, I'm tur- I'm like reading the pages and I'm oddly turned on by it and I don't know why like get curious about it you know that's, like that's what I loved about that book is that so yeah. many people myself included were like this kind of turns me on let's look into this right now right and that is the difference let's look into this and most people don't go there most people go to this turns me on and I'm really scared yeah or this turns me on and like why I must be broken or that's wrong and if I could tell you how many times people come into my office and tell me their biggest sexual fantasy, and in my head, I'm thinking like, that's it? Like, you have arguably one of the like top five regular kinks, if you can have a quote unquote regular kink, but like, there's five really big fantasies that people have, right? And people think that they are so broken and they're so like, I applaud them for their vulnerability to tell me that. And so there would never be a moment 
when I'd be like, that's it. Like that's the only thing you're into, right? Because it took a lot for that person to tell me that. But to be able to bring it back and be like, hey, like you having a fantasy about your partner having sex with someone else is actually so normal. I can't tell you the hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of people who have come in here into my office and told me the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And then that, even just like feeling like, oh, like my sexuality isn't broken or, oh, the fact that I got really turned on by 50 shades of gray or like this, you know, a, a girl on girl scene in like orange is the new black, right? Like we get these little subtle cues, maybe some not so subtle if you're picking up 50 shades, but we get these little cues everywhere that give us opportunities to get curious. And so if you can first grant yourself the permission of like, what I'm experiencing is totally normal. It is okay that my body is turned on by any of these things. And I'm giving myself the permission to go Google what I want to Google or read the book I want to read. Like that is in my eyes, the first step to really coming home to body. Because if I'm not willing to get curious about those things, then I'm cutting off this huge potential in my sex life, right? Or in, in, my, in my personal pleasure life. So that was where I started. And that's often where I start with a lot of my clients is just like, give yourself the opportunity to get curious. I love that. Sometimes we just need permission from other people, right? Like, we don't actually need it. But sometimes we just like, feel like we need the permission to just like Mm -hmm. be curious or do the thing. So maybe that's, this is it for you. Like be curious and get, get down to the bottom of like why some things turn you on more than others. Like ask the questions, ask the questions, read the book, Google the article and like, heaven forbid, (laughs) try it like with consent and what feels good for your body. And if you have a partner that you feel safe enough exploring those things with, do it. And there's what you will find is how many incredible resources there are out there. Um, that sex chick is another great, um, profile to follow. She talks a lot about the BDSM world and her exploration of that and what that was like for her. And, and there's, there's so many things out there. Um, like the sexological blueprints, um, different things that like quizzes and finding basically the sexological blueprint is like the love languages, but for sex, like how do you, how do those rank? Um, so I've had partners do them and we see like where we match up or like if yours is completely different than mine, like it doesn't mean that like we're inherently incompatible, right? It actually means we have this huge room of things that we get to play with now. Like, get to you explore. Know what, yeah, you know what I'm into. I know what you're into. And we can, we like can bounce off of each other's needs and explore in this huge realm of things that I might not have known existed or you didn't know exist, right? Um, so those are all great places to start. I also love the Conscious Sexual Self Workbook. Um, my, my, my supervisor for my private practice, um, she is... I mean, she's an MFT, but she does focus on and her biggest area of expertise is sex. So she wrote this workbook um, and it really does ask you to start getting really conscious about things. And it's and, and not in a way that's like, you know, what are your inherent thoughts about sex? Because anyone put on the spot like that, I'd be like, uh, I don't know. But it'll ask question. Yeah, it'll be like. Um, you know, when was the first time you remember 
talking about sex. What was that conversation like? Right. Where when I did that workbook and I was like, oh, yeah, I had two broken thumbs and my mom told me I could get pregnant. Like I was terrified of it and I was already traumatized because I had started my period that day. And so my framework of sex from a young age started fear based because that's what was served to me. And I didn't know that for the longest time until I started working through this workbook. So I was like, of course, I was afraid to have these conversations. Of course, it felt scary to ask my partner what they were into or, or express my needs. It even felt scary to explore my own body. Like I remember the first time masturbating me in my head the whole time being like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And it's like, <laughs> what? Like, no, it's not. And I know so many people that think that way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if your subconscious narrative, to go back to what we talked about earlier, is this is wrong or this is scary or this is taboo or this is not supposed to happen. Yeah, of course, your body is going to respond in a certain way, Mm. especially if it's out of fear. So those are like my two places that I would really start to get curious, like giving yourself permission and that workbook are really great. Um, and then just like any sort of prep, like once you get to that point and you kind of have explored like and read, and that's all very heady and logical, right? If I'm reading and researching and doing all these things, it's like, can I start to play and think of it like that? It's not, it doesn't have to be serious. Like sex, (laughs) sex can be fun and playful and playing is actually how as children, we learn like play therapy and, and like playing as a kid teaches us how to work as a team, how to accept failure, how to win in a, in a courageous and not conceited way, like turn taking, right? All of these different things playing teaches us and sex can be that too. Like, can you give yourself permission to play with your own body? Mm, and I love can, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I like that. It helped me get out of my fear head to be like, I'm playing a game, you know, and like I'm finding out what feels good and what doesn't and where my edges are and what's a hard boundary and what am I into so that then I was so confident in exploring those things with myself that by the time I explored those things with a partner, I knew where my boundaries were. I could have a conversation of consent that wasn't just like, Hey, are we doing this or not? You know, like, cause that's what consent is for so many people. And especially in the culture that we live in now, but it can be so much more than that. Consent can be like, yeah, I'm into this, 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 and this. And like, I kind of like to play in the gray area here, but this is a hard no. Yeah. And like, you only start to know those things if you give yourself the permission to get curious and explore them. So thinking of sex yeah less of like this serious and it it is a serious thing right like there are bit like there are big quote-unquote consequences that can come from it so like don't just go into like oh we're playing right all the time but like if you're with a, a partner that you are comfortable and safe and confident with first off don't sleep with someone if you don't feel that way right like if, if your body is having an aversion to somebody or something's going on, like listen to that, like safety, safety, safety. And we're not talking like condoms or birth control, right? Like that's a different conversation, but safety in your own body is all that we are looking for when we make any kind of connection. From the second you shake hands with someone, 
your body starts to co-regulate with theirs and your body will tell you immediately. Like, have you ever shook in someone's hand or met someone just been like, ooh, weird vibes? Yeah. Your body knows. Like if you were to ever get into a position where you were going to have sex with that person, odds are it would not be enjoyable. No. And on the, you know, on the flip side of that coin, have you ever had a handshake with someone and been like, vibes are right, you know, like, and, and your body knows these things and we get so stuck in our heads and our brains are awesome and they're majestic things, but they try to make too much sense of stuff. Sometimes they try to like intellectualize and think about it and they get us inherently out of our bodies. Um, And so adopting, you know, kind of going back to what are some practices that we can do to get back into our body, um, adopting some kind of somatic practice, whatever that looks like for you. And this does not have to be sex, right? But anything that gets me out of my head and into my body, right? For you or I, that might be functional fitness. Mm -hmm. Like for someone else, that could be yoga. Um, Breathwork has been a huge one for me. And the coolest part about breathwork is that like, unless you're doing like some crazy Wim Hof breathing, like I can be practicing that and no one knows. Right. I can be on the subway. I can be in an Uber. I can be walking downtown and I can be having sex, like practicing breath work. And if I find myself inherently in my head and I start bringing the awareness to my breath, boom, I've dropped into my body. Mm-hmm. And so anything, any practice that you can start to adopt that allows you to integrate either the mind and body or just drop into the body is going to be super, super helpful. Mm, I love that. And I think that um, we put a little bit too much pressure maybe on breath work, like having to look a certain way, the same way like meditation has to look a certain way. Mm. And I put that in quotes because um, I've learned specifically like, the majority of this year that those things can look so different for everybody and Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be any specific way. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said that you can literally like be walking down the street and just be practicing your breath work because that's literally all it takes is just breathing intentionally. Totally. Or, you know, a meditation, you can do a mindful walk where I'm, I'm not sitting on a floor pillow with my fingers, my middle finger and my thumb touching and my legs crossed. For me, crossing my legs and sitting for anything above like three minutes really hurts my knees. So like that's never, that's not a comfortable state for my body to be in. Um, but yeah, we get these, these pictures of what meditation has to be. And it's anything that can bring you into the inherent now. You know, like the breath is something that we do all day and all night long that we oftentimes, right, it falls into that, like, I'm glad it's in my autonomic nervous system that I don't have to relearn how to breathe every day. That'd be exhausting. But I often let it go, like, unnoticed or unappreciated. And so bringing it back into the awareness can be as easy as, you know, counting your inhales in and exhales out, trying to inhale for four, exhale for eight. Um, having an elongated exhale actually kind of like brings us brings us down and starts to regulate our body um you know going on a walk I can't tell you how many times I'm walking and I see people almost run into like telephone poles because they're looking at their cell phone right so like 
mindfully walking, noticing the color of the leaves that are bristling on the ground. Like for me, this sounds funny. I have a doodle and he has like the curliest little butt. And so I'll just like watch the little like curls just like me, 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 me. And like, that's mindful for me, right? I'm experiencing, excuse me, experiencing my surroundings and that's meditative. That's restorative. Um, And so, yeah, it doesn't have to look like a practice where you sit on a pillow in your room for 30 minutes. It can, and that's beautiful. If you can do that, awesome. If that's what works for you, do it. But it can look like so many other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is like you can literally start with a walk outside. And um, it's so funny that you said that you look at Rogan's butt. I look at Mila's ears because they flop. <laughs> so it's like the most satisfying thing to me when we're walking is I'll literally just like watch her ears flop around and then her head like bounce as she does it. It's the cutest thing ever. Um, what other practices have you found clients have success with in terms of like bringing like the awareness or the confidence back to themselves when they're like ready to do the deed with their partner? Mm. Um, I mean, we talked about this a little bit with your girls and navigating nutrition. Um, I talk about planning for sex a lot. And when you just say that, let's plan for sex, people are like, ew, that's sterile and disgusting. And like, that's not sexy. It's like, well, wait a minute. That doesn't just mean that you tell your partner, hey, it's seven o'clock, we're going to go do the deed. Like, yeah, you show up at seven o'clock and strip your clothes off and stand next to the bed. Yeah, that's sterile and awkward and weird. But there was probably a point in your dating life, whether it's with a long-term partner or whoever it may be, where you were subconsciously planning for sex. Like odds are, if you're, you know, female identifying or, enjoy shaving your legs regardless of how you identify like odds are you shaved your legs that day like maybe you used a bath soap that you really enjoy the smell of you maybe you know if you're a decent human washed your sheets so that they smelled good you like put on matching panties and a bra so like if your clothes came off later if the date went well you were like yeah fuck yeah I look good you know like those are all things Maybe you put a perfume on, you did your hair a certain way that makes you feel good, right? Those are all ways that you were planning for sex. And like, maybe not with the inherent, like, I'm doing this for sex, but like, kind (laughs) of. And so where people lose that a lot, especially in long-term relationships, is they stop doing that. And I mean... I work with both you and Gabe. Like I know your schedules. I know your schedules are insanely busy. And that's most people that I work with, most couples that I work with. And so it's like going back to that, like most people having sex ed come from porn. They think it's this thing where like it's magical and both parties are in the mood and boom, we have sex and it's fireworks and amazing. And it's like, if you're an adult or even, you know, maybe not an adult, maybe you're adolescent that just has a really busy schedule, who knows. But like, that was not me condoning adolescent sex. (laughs) Um, But if that's what you're doing, like, (laughs) let's be safe about it. Let's have these conversations. Um, But planning with your partner, like on a Sunday night, like having a genuine, I really, I'm a big advocate of having a a weekly check-in with your partner where it's like maybe that Sunday, my, my ex-partner and I was like Sunday night, 
for 30 minutes, I want a genuine check-in about how you're doing, what's going on, what's your week look like, how was your last week, are there things that I can support in, are there areas in, in your life that I need to back off in, like, can we do this check-in? And in that check-in, planning your sex for the next week and being like, my days are crazy, but like Tuesday at 7 p.m. works for both of us. Like we were talking about, yeah, if we both show up Tuesday at 7 p.m., like, all right, let's have sex. Like, seriously, you're not going to, you're probably not going to enjoy that. But if you can treat that like the same ritual that you did, like, yeah, I'm still going to go on with my day and do all the busy, crazy things that I have to do, but I'm going to like wash the sheets and I'm going to buy this new candle while I'm out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and like plan for the sex and like then I can enjoy that time with my partner I don't have it's not like hey can we have a quickie and then we go back to like zoom conference meetings and like you know if that's what you're into like if that's if that's your kink and you like really enjoy quickies with your partner then cool do that but for most of us we might need you know a little bit more planning and foresight I think the first time that I heard that concept of like planning your schedule around when you're going to have sex, it actually blew my mind because I was like, this actually makes so much sense because the same way you like, when you plan to go out with your friends, you, and you like look forward to that all Mm -hmm. week. Like this is something that if you plan it and it's on the schedule, you're like, oh my God, I can't wait for Tuesday at 7 PM because like, this is going to be so great. Because I'm going to share this experience with my partner. And I also know that he's going to be looking forward to it the same way. Yes. And I know I keep using the Tuesday at 7 p.m. thing. But like if morning sex or afternoon sex or middle of the night sex is your thing, like all of that is on the table. Like don't just take away from this conversation like, oh, normal people only have sex at night. It's like and you might have a partner that really enjoys evening sex and you really enjoy morning sex. So that also needs to become part of your check-in. Like, okay, like how many times can we have sex at night so that like I'm getting my needs met and then I can I meet you where your needs are and can we start having morning sex? Or can we have somewhere right in the middle and we, you know, find time in the afternoon where we like haven't had a large meal and (laughs) we feel good and we feel sexy or, you know, whatever. Like, you know, that's another beautiful thing about planning sex is like, I'm probably not going to eat Indian food, like right before I decide that I'm going to have sex, right? Like I get to also be the narrator of my own story and say like, I want to put on these panties. I want to eat food that makes me not feel bloated. I want to do these different things that like set me up to be the sexiest person that I can be for myself because I feel good. And now I'm getting to show up for my partner or hell, if you don't have a partner, like set up that same sexy time for yourself and like your self-pleasure practice. Yeah. Hell yeah. And even if you do have a partner, you could do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All, all the time. Like, you know, with, a concept that feels very, very strange for people when I introduce it is like you and your partner, like sex doesn't have to be penis, vagina, sex, right? Like sex can be anything where like the two of you feel connected and sensual and and, and in that space together. So like there's a lot of, a lot to learn about your partner if like they're having their self-pleasure and you're having your self-pleasure and you might be in the same room and like that can be super hot to watch your partner 
get off, right? And you're like, oh man, like that's super hot. And I just learned something because I didn't know she liked that or I didn't know he liked that. And I can kind of watch and learn and like, was there any touching between the two of you in that point? Maybe not. But like, was that sex? Yes. Like they're so... the. The buffet that is sex is like an all you can eat, like not just one way or one course or one meal even. There's so many different things that you can do and and to get stuck in this mindset of like it has to look this way, like we were talking about, like, dude, you just missed like the other like four fifths of the buffet line. <laughs> like you're staying to this little narrow street. And if that's what you like, cool. But like there's so much more out there and it's not weird or wrong to explore it. And the it's okay time. if you don't like it. And it's okay. And you can tell your partner that. And that's why, you know, we talked about it before, but that's why it's so important to feel safe with your partner. Like if your body is not assessing safety, like you could be possibly having like sex that would blow your mind with a partner that you did feel safe with. And so that's also to say, like, maybe you tried something years and years and years ago that you really didn't like. And that was maybe because you weren't in a great partnership and you've now created this block or this story that like, oh, yeah, that's not for me. I never like that. And that's not to say that, like, boundaries are not a thing because they absolutely can be. But if you're waiting for the permission, like, here's further permission to know that, like, what I liked sexually five years ago is so different from what I like now. And so there might have been something I tried five years ago that was not my gig that now with a partner that I feel super, super safe with and held and seen and known that like I can go to that place and be like, wow, that was actually mind blowing and incredible. And I wouldn't have known that had I always stayed to the same narrative of like, well, I didn't like it five years ago, so I'm never doing that again. I love it. <laughs> um. That's so, uh, I want to sit on that for a second because that's so true that like your likes and dislikes and your preferences and your confidence level changes 1000% yes. with the people that you're with, um, person, and the people. person that you are. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're with yourself too, right? Like you're constantly doing this dance of like understanding yourself because you are constantly changing. And I, I, you said this once and I love it. Like I have changed and you have changed and everybody mm -hmm. is essentially changing all the time, right? Like we're constantly evolving as people. So we can't expect that something that we did five years ago, last week even, that you like didn't really love or you really liked, you can't expect it to be the thing for you forever or not the thing for you forever. Yeah. I mean, I get that all the time. Like I remember, and I, I think I know the post that you might be referring to, but I recently moved back to my hometown and I've gotten so many people that are like, oh, Lindsay, you've changed. And I was like, fuck, I hope so. I left here 10 years ago, right? But like there's for whatever reason, we have this story that like, oh, you've changed is like a bad thing. Right. Or like whether that means that you're not loyal or you're not true to yourself or, you know, whatever we can we can spin out on all of those stories. But to be like, oh, you've changed. It was like, yeah, you knew me when I was a senior in high school. Like I would hope for my sake and for your sake and the rest of the planet's sake that I was not the same person that I was when I was 18 years old, that I have 
you know, my life experience is so different. We are walking around as humans as just this bundle and ball of life experience. And so we all see the world so much differently. Like you and I could watch the same movie and have a totally different takeaway from it based on what our life experience is. And and if we don't give ourselves the permission to explore, we don't give ourselves the, you know, we think that our questions are A, B, or C, like A, do this, B, do this, C, do this. And we get so caught in that, but it's like, what about D? Like, what about none of the above? What if, what if all of these potential options that I think I have, there's so much more Mm -hmm. like, and I, and if I can just grant myself the permission to explore that or, or the permission to be wrong, like I thought option B was like the way to go. And it turns out it made me miserable and I don't like it. I don't have, like, I don't have to stay there. I don't have to do that job or that kind of sex or that kind of partner or that anything. Mm -hmm. I am a sovereign being and can choose differently from my life. Mm -hmm. I love that. Man, (laughs) Lindsay, that was like straight gold. Thanks. We have to sit for a second with that one. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... If people want to um, explore more of this, how can how can we encourage people to be more curious in this realm? Like what kind of other, you've dropped a bunch of resources already, which thank you for those. Uh, but are there any others? Is there any um, other like podcasts or um, Instagram accounts or books, things like that, that you recommend we scoop? Mm. Um. I mean, I feel like I've talked about a lot of them. Um, One of the big things that I would, and I know that you're a big proponent of this, is like doing a spring cleaning of your Instagram feed or like getting rid of things. So it's not always what can I add into my life. It can be like, what can I take out? Ooh, I love that. Like if I am surrounding myself with people that have a narrative of like abstinence only sex, then like my entire feed and the entire algorithm in my phone is going to be don't have sex, you will die, right? So if I can start getting rid of some of those things, if I want to start changing my mind, if I want to start changing my outlook, like getting rid of like, I can also get clear on what I don't want that to be. And so I can start clearing out things that are not feeding this mission of curiosity. Um, I love that sex chick. She's great. I love sex with Emily. She's great. Um, The shameless sex girls are awesome. They also have an Instagram, um, but their podcast is great. Um, Wednesday Martin, she wrote a book called Untrue, um, all about female sexuality. She has a great page. She also has a podcast um, called, oh shoot, what is it called? Uh, Hot Sex and Wild Love or something like that. Um, I I can send you all these things, but those are great places to start. Um, And just you know, it doesn't have to be this whole overhaul of your life. It doesn't always have to be like, I'm going to buy all the books and all the workbooks and listen to all the podcasts and do all the research. I know that I talked about doing all of that and that's great, but it's just like any other kind of habit, like start small and master something first before going on to the next thing, before going on to the next thing, right? Like maybe your first step was listening to this show. Like, ooh, Ariel put out a show that says sex in the title. That's weird. I don't know if I want to listen to it. And like, that was your first step. 
awesome. Now, like maybe your next step is just even having the courage to share this show with someone else and saying, hey, like I just listened to this. It blew my mind. Like, what do you think about it? Like that is a very courageous step because that's you even saying, A, I listened to a show about sex, this taboo thing that we're not supposed to talk about. I actually really enjoyed listening to it. And now I'm sharing that with you and want to get your thoughts on it. And that starts to open the door of like, who's in my tribe? Like, who are the people around me that I'm willing to, to share these things with and that are have the capacity to go there with me and have these conversations with me? Because those are the people that are going to keep you in this trajectory of like, and if someone gives you some shitty response, like, ew, you're listening to a podcast about sex, like, bye. <laughs> Like, right, you're not in the person just showed you. Yeah, and that's okay. Like, yeah, and that's fine. Like we're just we're just speaking different languages now. That doesn't make my language right and yours wrong. We're just speaking differently. And so take little steps, right? Sharing the show or having, you know, going to coffee with a friend and saying like, "Hey, I had this like really wild dream last night. Can I share it with you?" Or like, you know, these different things and you start to have conversations and that feels less weird. And I start, you know, I read the book or I watch the porn or I do the thing that like seemed off limits and I just like sit with the sensations in my body and I welcome them and I'm like, I greet them. I tell them that they're okay to be here instead of like shunning them or feeling awkward by that sex scene that turned me on because it was something that I'm not supposed to be turned on by. Like all of these little, little steps. I know we're talking about the act that is sex. And obviously we touched on how many different things sex can really be, but like, it's okay to just start small, right? Just starting to feel like, oh, like that made my stomach tighten. And I'm like, kind of curious. What is that? Can I just give myself the permission to sit in that? And the more slowly we start building these little practices and we get more and more comfortable with them then yeah like you're not going to listen to this show and tomorrow like sit down with your partner and plan sex and do all these different things and find out what your boundaries are like yeah long term is that the goal yes but know that like it's a slow process and it doesn't mean that it's broken it's probably not linear you might try something and be like whoo that was too far you might try something and be like oh that wasn't quite enough and like let this growth kind of bounce around and look however it's supposed to look for you. Mm. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're Mic welcome. drop.